Welcome to the Unstoppable CEO Podcast with Steve Gordon. Welcome to the Unstoppable CEO Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Gordon, and I've got a fantastic interview for you today. Uh, today, I'm talking with my good friend and colleague, Dove Gordon. We're connecting all the way across the world. He's in Israel. I'm in Florida. I'm really excited to have Dove back today. This is uh, his second or maybe even third appearance on the podcast. He and I have known each other for a long time. He's one of the few people around the world that when he says something, I listen because he says important things. Um, so if you don't know Dove, he uh, really helps consultants and experts go and get their ideal clients and do that consistently. There are millions and millions of consultants and coaches who are very, very good at what they do, but you know they're just not that charismatic guru type and they really don't want to be. Maybe they love their work and, and they just want that consistent flow of great clients, uh, clients who value their expertise, who value who they are as people, who pay them well for it. And Dove and his team really focus on working with those experts and helping them build a really strong strategic foundation and apply it to build a simple client getting system that is really kind of tailored to you. So I'm excited, Dove, to have you back. Welcome back to the Unstoppable CEO. Thank you, Steve. Uh, great to be back. So um, I always enjoy when we get a chance to have these chats. Sometimes we don't record them. We just, you know, chat and mm -hmm. talk about things that are happening in our businesses. And then you've been doing some really interesting things lately. And I thought it was worth coming back and, and talking about some of those things. And so your focus lately has been on uh, something you're calling profitable relationships. And uh, I love the title. I'm jealous that you got the domain name. And um, profitablerelationships.com. Exactly. Yeah, it, was, it wasn't, wasn't that expensive either. But it was premium. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't an eight, you know, twelve to fifteen dollar domain at, at that point. I'm sure not. I'm sure not. Well, g give us just kind of a to start things off because uh, I want to dive into this uh, this whole concept. But to start us off, can you give us kind of a, a high level view of what you mean by profitable relationships and and kind of give us the framework to begin thinking about it? Yeah, very simple. Um, you know, it's it's really just crystallizing, concretizing uh, something that, that I've been doing a little bit less formally for quite a number of years now. And that's coming to the recognition that most consultants, people who are marketing or selling their expertise, uh, a new client is worth, let's say, $5,000, $15,000, $50,000, $150,000, or even more. For these people, most of their business is not coming through an online Facebook ad to Evergreen Funnel. Uh, it's just not. Um, what? Wait, what? Most of their business is not coming from a best-selling book. And most of their business is not coming from, you know, Instagram accounts. You know, there are people who do these things and do them really well, but they are really a minority. That type of, you know, I, I, I think of it as there are two ways to thrive as an independent consultant, coach, or expert. There's, um, you know, growing as, as uh, taking the path of the charismatic guru, as I call it. And then there's the path of mastery. And most of us, our personality is just not suitable for the path of the charismatic guru. You know, it's fine for those who have that personality. It's fine for those who they're, you know, they, they, they have that energy. They have that, um, and I don't mean like it's a better energy. It's different. They have those values. They're looking to put themselves on a pedestal. They're looking to be in front of lots of people, put themselves up as a model. Most of us are not in, I'd say probably 90% of people who have a lot of value to offer, that's not who they are. And the problem is they wake up in the morning and they look around and they want to know, well, how do I get clients? I'm good at what I do. I thought that, you know, I built this great mousetrap. People are going to beat a path to my door. And they start to discover that's not happening. Uh, it does not happen. Uh, if it does, then you're probably lucky for a period of time and your luck will run out. Uh, much better that you know, work based on skill and system. So you wake up and you want to know, how do I get clients? And there's an endless line of people who want to tell you how to get clients, but it's, it's mostly tactical focused, you know, um, Facebook ads, LinkedIn, all, you know, it's endless. I'm not going to even try to, to list all the various different options available to us today, thanks to technology. So, but the truth is that most people, and I've polled my subscribers, it's about 70% said that they're, you know, their best clients have come through um, through relationships. And that's uh, referrals, 
or somebody heard them speak somewhere and they started, you know, met for lunch, started a relationship, right? Um, and most of these, like, they don't happen immediately. There's, there's a, you've got, a, there's a, a relationship takes some time. I know it, it, it is possible to talk to somebody once and, and close, uh, you know, multi tens of thousands of dollars. I've done it. Um, it's definitely possible. Uh, it's doable. Um, however, it's more likely that there's some kind of relationship or very, I, let me not say more likely, but often if you're selling a, you know, a high five, low six uh, figure consulting project, there's a relationship that you need to build over time. The problem, of course, is that building relationships takes time. So people look for, they look to technology to, to kind of automate around it. And that doesn't work. Obviously, you know, the, the technology can be used to augment, to support the building of genuine relationships, but it, it cannot be used to replace it. And I think people need to really, you know, recognize it, that that's a very simple truth. However, there are things that you can do to leverage relationships. And that's really what I've been helping um, consultants start to do. And it's what I think of as becoming an under-the-radar leader in your industry. Because while the charismatic guru types, they put themselves out there really in front of everybody. And, you know, and, and that's how they're attracting a lot of the attention. They get most of the attention. Most of us, our goal is not to be doing a you know, multi-seven figure and scaling business. That's not most people's goals. It's not necessarily my goal. Uh, I don't know if it's your goal or not, but it's, you know, most people, they're looking for a good mid-six figure uh, income, doing great work with great clients and having a life, you know, having freedom, having the ability to do what they want to do. That's what most people are after. And this approach of becoming an under-the-radar leader in your industry is, is really suitable for most people because if you knew 30, 50, 100, 150 people who are well-placed in your industry and you were able to kind of re really be connected with them in a meaningful way over a period of time, you'd have all the business that you want. That's true for, for probably 80 plus percent of really good consultants, okay? And the, not only that, but that enables you to compete with the, the so-called big names, you know, because you have a backdoor. And the way you do that is by creating what I call an alchemy network. So I might have thrown out too many terms by now, but let's kind of keep it simple, right? Summary. You become an under-the-radar leader in your industry by, by starting and leading an alchemy network, which is either comprised of colleagues or comprised of your ideal clients. And if you have a, a network that you lead that's comprised of your ideal clients, and let's say it is 50 people, 80 people, 100 people, 150 people, and they're in your network. And it's not just about you. It's not a, a point to point. It's that, that you are curating this group, bringing people together. Most of this can be done online. I've done it online for years, right? And you're bringing them together. They get to know each other. They get to learn from each other. And, and every time they recognize, oh, we met through Dave Gordon. We met through Steve Gordon. We met through whoever you are listening to this, uh, who is leading your alchemy network. And it also makes it really easy for you to stay in touch with the high value prospect who wasn't ready to buy now. And that happens. You know, you're talking to somebody about a, uh, you know, I've got, I've got a client who does, they just, he just closed $175,000 project over 90 days. And that type of thing is going to take some time usually, because even if the buyer is immediately ready, but there are other, you know, other considerations that may mean the, the organization is not going to have to do it this quarter, maybe next quarter. So they may say, get back to me in six months. And you're ambitious, you're ahead of, the, ahead, of, ahead of things, so you get back to them in five months and you find out, oh, uh, too bad, we went with so-and-so uh, last month. You know, these things happen. You can even have a good relationship, but, but how do you overcome that? Well, I mean, you could be sending them these uh, tacky articles that they may or may not be interested in. You can put them on email list, which is a great thing to do. I fully advocate for that. I've been doing that for years, as have you. However, that's only... The email list is unidirectional. It's not, it's not bidirectional. It doesn't go back and forth. It doesn't give you necessarily an insight into what's actually going on in their lives. But if you bring these people into an alchemy network, you invite them into an alchemy network, and, and they're actually excited about what you're doing. It's an easy yes that, that they could really say yes to from now, which they see as moving them forward in the right direction. And you always have a good reason to get on a quick call with them uh, and they see it that way. They see that that you're there to serve their interests. You and, and even when you're not, you know, if you didn't talk to somebody, let's say maybe in the you know last few weeks, but 
you have your finger on the pulse of what, what's going on with most of the people in your group. And those relationships uh, approach strategically, thoughtfully, um, and really with an interest in looking to serve these people will absolutely lead to a consistent flow of ideal clients and projects for you uh, in a way that, you know, I don't know that there's really any other way of doing this. You know, there's a there's so much to unpack in in what you shared, um, folks. I, I I recommend you go back and and kind of re-listen to that because you you basically you encapsulated I think almost a complete strategy just in that five minutes. So going back to one of the first things that you said, you mentioned the word mastery, and mm-hmm. you know you talked about the the idea that people are. Sometimes they're going off and trying to do Instagram or doing, you know, Facebook or they want to build this funnel and they want scale and all this sort of stuff. And I've seen this interesting interplay between the way people think about scale and how that kind of drives them in dangerous directions in attracting clients. And what what I mean by that is people think, oh, yeah, I've got this consulting business and I want to scale it to be, you know, as big as it could possibly be, and they never put a bound on that. But I think for these sorts of businesses, there's a natural bound. I mean, there's only so much time. Do you find that with the clients you're working and with? I mean, the, the, that they have this notion that they want to be as big as they can be? Do they have trouble kind of quantifying it? Because I think that's the first step to really getting serious about what strategy to use, is knowing what you're trying to build. I'll, I'll, be, I'll be really honest. I, first of all, I agree with everything you said, but if you're asking about the clients I work with, most of my clients, they, they've come to recognize, usually not immediately, but they've come to recognize that they're not looking to build a you know, multi-seven-figure scaling consulting business. It's like I described earlier. They just want, they want to be doing great work with great clients who really appreciate them and can afford to pay them what they want to be paid and making that great income. You know, so um, now I will say some people do have to go along that, that path beforehand. And, and I've, I've spent some time uh, not fully understanding what we're talking about right now. I think that tendency, we all look to those, the charismatic guru ones because they're, they're the ones who are most visible, right? The rest are under the radar. You know, that's where I got the term from. And the ones who are most visible, they're often demonstrating something. Again, that, that yeah, it could work for sure, but it's not what we actually want. So they're out there saying, this is how you grow and scale. Too many of us are trying to follow their lead. The problem is, it's like we're, we're, trying to walk the path of the charismatic guru with a bungee cord strapped to our back. And that bungee cord is that it's not what I really want, but we're not fully aware of that. Yeah. And I think that uh, that's the, the key um, is you have to know what you're trying to build. And I, I run into the same kind of dichotomy when I, often when I first talk to a business owner, they will describe this desire for this, you know, massively scaled business. And then as you start to ask them, well, what does that really mean? What does it look like? Often what then, you know, if you ask, well, how many clients would you need this year for it to be an amazing year for you? The answer comes back and it's not this massive scale, right? It's, oh gosh, if I got five clients, I'd be, you know, I'd double my, my, you know, performance last year. Well, that's a different problem to solve. And that's not a scale problem. That's why I, I look at the approach that that you're taking with this and and you know similar to the approach we take with podcasts I think I feel like the the two are very much cousins um different different implementations of of some of the same ideas and very complementary yeah and and uh very complementary in both cases they're really tuned for for getting that small number of very high value clients uh that most professionals most consultants most coaches are really looking for so that, that leads me sort of to the next thing that, that you said, which I think is important. You use the word mastery. And I, I see people all the time jumping from this kind of guru-led, uh, you know, tactic of the day, you know. And I mean, I, just thinking back to the, in the time that we've known each other, if we thought back and cataloged what all of those were, the evolution of all of those things, right? It's been a hundred things probably over the last decade. Um, and Remember when blogging? Oh yeah, thing? yeah. People were teaching. Right. Blogging. Well, now podcasting is the new blogging. I heard. How to build a business blogging. That's what I've been told. That could be. But but I come back to something that you said then, when we first met, and probably one of the most impactful things I've I've really learned from our relationship, and that's this word mastery. 
And I, I have come to believe that that is for people who are struggling to get clients, that's the difference between who's successful and who's not. The ones who stick with whatever tactic they choose long enough to master it are the ones that you, you look around and you go, wow, they're really successful. And uh, I, I would love for you to talk a little bit about, about that word and, and how you use that as you're working with people. Yeah, well, mastery, mastery is, a, is an important concept. I think the, the way I think about it is this, is that, and I mean, there's a, quite a number of different angles we can take on this. So I'll just start with one and let's see where it goes. I heard a wonderful quote a number of years ago from somebody who was actually doing a, a um, uh, making his darnest effort to put himself out as a charismatic guru type, but didn't quite come across as sincere to me. Anyway, I did gain one thing from following him for a few weeks or a few months, and that was this amazing quote. And it's a quote from, well, I'll say the quote, see if I remember who it's from. So it says, I wouldn't give a fig for simplicity on this side of complexity, but I give my right hand for simplicity on the far side of complexity as a, a judge of justice uh, from about a hundred years ago, I think. It was Oliver Wendell Holmes, I believe. Exactly. Yes. Oliver Wendell Holmes Jr., I believe it was. So I wouldn't give a fig for simplicity on this side of complexity, but I'd give my right hand for simplicity on the far side of complexity. And I thought about that and I realized that, huh, that makes a lot of sense. You know, there's there's simplicity on this side of complexity. That's, that's when we think, hey, I'm going to start this business. I'm good at what I do. I'm going to start this business and it's going to go really well. We just assume it's not going to be that complicated. You know, I'm good at what I do. I'm leaving the corporate world. I've got these great skills. I did really well in the corporate world. People are going to work and work for me. It's going to go well. And then we rapidly find ourselves in complexity, bogged down in technology, frustrated that people won't take our calls, return our calls, respond to our messaging, whatever the things we're doing are not working. Sales conversations are feeling like we're just kind of shooting from the hip, not leading anywhere. Proposals are not people going with other competitors who we are sure not as good and don't care as much. And then, you know, not to mention admin and all various operational things that you never thought you'd have to deal with, but do taxes and, and whatnot, um, technological breakdowns of this or that type. And, um, you know, and, and you find yourself bogged down in complexity. And, and, you know, when it comes to marketing and sales, you look for some advice and you, you, you end up running in a number of different circles, overwhelmed by all the different options and not sure what makes any sense for you. Trying this, trying that. Okay. Well, we all know that's complexity. On the far side of complexity is true simplicity. True simplicity lies in the far side of complexity. Those people who push through the complexity to eventually arrive at simplicity on the far side of complexity, that's mastery. That's where you have a consistent flow of ideal clients. That's where you are seeing patterns where everybody else is seeing a mess. That's where you're able to leverage everything that you're doing. You can kind of push a lever and watch things roll. But, but everybody wants to skip to that. People think that there's some way of getting to that to that far side of you know, simplicity and the far side of complexity without the pain, without the, the, the learning. You know, I, I don't know. I remember what, what uh, there's something, some quote from Steve Jobs. But if you just think about the idea of the iPhone, right, when it was brand new and so on, in order for us to have that experience of simplicity, right, of the, the screens or whatever phone, you know, I have a Samsung now, right? It's simple to use, but the complexity behind it is, is enormous because what they have done is they have managed to take some rather complex ideas, rather complex forces that I don't begin to understand, and they've marched forward to simplicity on the far side of complexity. It was not easy. It never is easy. They're constantly competing with others, right? And it never ends. It doesn't, you know, there are certain things that get easier there are certain things that these companies can do that you and I cannot because they've mastered it. They brought, you know, whatever, all the, the millions of processes involved in that from science to human resources and so on. So to me, mastery is something that a lot of consultants have mastered their craft. They've gotten really good at whatever they do. If you're a logistics consultant, you got really good at logistics. If you're you know, uh, involved in business brokering or whatever it might be, you know, you're, or, or you're a, you know, an HR leadership consultant, you've gotten really good. You mastered your craft, but when it comes to figuring out, okay, how do I get more clients? Cause it, it turns out to not be as easy as I expected over here. We don't approach it with the same kind of rigor and discipline 
Over here, for some reason, we, we buy into the idea that it should be easy, that it's going to be easy. Just follow my you know, five-step marketing blueprint formula, and you too will have all the clients that you can possibly handle. You know, uh, this fancy car, that fancy home, and the other one too, and these vacations, and you know, but it doesn't work that way. And what I what I point out to people a lot is I say, you know, hearing what you're saying, would it be true? Would it be an accurate observation to say that you have not gone about you have not gone about the getting of clients the way you went about the mastering of your craft, gaining the skills that make you valuable? You approached one way but you're approaching the marketing and sales of those skills in a very different way. And they think about it and they realize what I'm talking about. And they almost always say, yeah, you're right. Because when they went out about mastering their craft, let me just think about it. Think about a heart surgeon, right? There's no, nobody starts, you know, becomes a heart surgeon thinking that it's just going to be a matter of following a blueprint. It's a very nuanced set of skills. You've got to have a lot of knowledge, a lot of information, and you've got to understand the information. Understand is not just intellectually understand it. And that's why over years is a combination of knowledge, information with the application, you know, working with mentors and, you know, other surgeons for, you know, first, um, first, you know, you could maybe watch videos, then they might let you in the operating room, right? And so on and so forth until you're, you're doing the surgery yourself, because it's only by doing that you're really coming to understand. And what I, what I want these consultants to understand is that you need to approach the getting of clients with the same rigor and, and discipline and structure that you approached mastering your craft to begin with. And when you do that, you will pretty quickly get to a point where you're starting to see results. Because unlike heart surgery, if you fail, it doesn't really matter. You know, failure is part of learning. There's no, no one's going to die if you, if, you, uh, if, if, if you fail. So you have to fail. You have to go out and have sales conversations that don't close. And that's not even really failure. That's learning. So, I mean, this is just some of my, my thoughts on, on uh, you know, mastery, how it applies to, to uh, getting clients for consultants. Well, I, I think it's important. So both of these ideas, number one is that understanding the, the scale you're really trying to build. And two, then, you know, approach it from the point of, of mastery kind of lead into, I think, you know, what I, I really want to dive into, which is this, the idea that, that uh, you talk about when it comes to profitable relationships and building an alchemy network and all of that. Um, and I want to get into the details of that, but I, I think it's helpful to have that frame in place that because otherwise you're going to have a really hard time, I think with any strategy and you're always going to feel this pull. Like I noticed this sometimes, you know, with our clients, I can always tell when one of my clients has, they, they've gotten on somebody's email list you know, and the question is always, well, should I do this tactic? And, you know, the answer is always, well, you could do that tactic. If you master that tactic, it'll probably work for you. Are you willing to, to stop what you're doing now to go and master that and effectively start over again? And I think before approaching any strategy or any tactic, it's, it's useful to ask yourself the question, how committed am I to this? You know, and am I really committed to to mastering this process? I know when I started uh, this podcast, the commitment I made to myself was I'm going to do this for a decade because I figured that gave me long enough to master every possible way of of using this to attract clients. And it didn't; it hasn't taken the whole decade for it to pay off big. So, uh, and and I think your strategy is the same. It it's it it gets better with age and with understanding and with learning. Let's talk for a minute about an alchemy network. Can you kind of walk us through what that is and how somebody might apply that in their business? Uh, sure, absolutely. Let me see here. So, so an alchemy network, I'll, again, jump in and feel free to take, take this wherever you think it should go. But the basic idea is this, is that you, we all need our own unfair advantage. We all need an unfair advantage. And an alchemy network is a way to give you an unfair advantage, especially if you're, if, if you do tend to have that feeling. And I'll just connect it. Is, uh, I had this thought as well while listening to you before, is that uh, when, I, when I talk to people, you know, consultants say, this is not, like, you haven't been going about getting clients in the same disciplined, rigored way, rigorous way. And usually they tell me that they, you know, they, they, they've took this course, they work with that coach, they went with that mentor, this program, and so on. And every each time, 
It sounded right. They thought it was going to be good. You know, and they only got so far along. I asked them another question often, and that is that, you know, from what I'm hearing, is it, is it true? Did you have this sense along the way that, okay, I'm doing what they say, but there's something missing. There's some, there's a sense that, hey, I'm following the steps as they tell them, but I don't really understand, you know, something. There's something missing. And again, almost always I hear yes. They feel like, you know, I talked to a, a new client in my uh, force, uh, UA force to be reckoned with program. And I was talking to him and he, and he shared with me how he's done this and done that. And all along, he felt like, um, you know, he struggled with messaging, you know, getting clear about the niche, niche and messaging, which everybody knows you have to do and almost everybody struggles with, almost. And he says, you know, other, other programs I was in, they would just say, well, you know, they, they ask me a few questions, I give them the answers and they say, okay, so this is your niche or this is your message. I never felt like they really listened to me. I never felt that they really heard who I am and what I'm after and why. And when you're in that point, you know, when you're in that place and then you, you kind of say, okay, well, I guess they know, or I hope they know, and you follow along, you do what they tell you to do, it will break down because they're not really looking at you and saying, who are you, Steve? What are you trying to accomplish? Like you talked about earlier, what's that business that you really want to build? Who, you know, and why? And who is an ideal client for that and why? And let's really peel off layers. Let's get into the mind and the heart of your ideal client so we can craft a simple, compelling message that really resonates. So that's just a long way of saying is that, that if, you're, if you're on a path and there's this little nagging sensation, a little nagging feeling that something here doesn't feel right, listen to it. Because you know if you're going through medical school that way, learning to be a heart surgeon, you would not just keep going with that nagging feeling because you know that it really matters. You need to really understand this or that or somebody might die one day. So like you need, you're going to ask questions. You're not going to put up with shallow answers. You're going to make sure you're going to ask your friends, ask your, like go to other people, whatever it is that you need to do in your way to fill in that, that sense that something's missing. Okay. So if we're not meant to be, or don't want to be the charismatic guru type. So we need, they have an unfair advantage. And that is that, you know, most of the attention goes to people who are natural at, you know, and just good at getting attention. Like that's what they enjoy. So that's really, that's a, that's an unfair advantage. We need an unfair advantage. And that, that becomes with the strategically, you know, selected relationships and cultivating those relationships. Like I said before, if you have a, you know, uh, kind of, you know, 30, 50, a hundred, 150, relationships with with well-placed people either ideal clients or uh you know colleagues who could put you in front of audiences that include ideal clients online or, or offline whatever it might be then um you have an unfair advantage and the way i re i recommend building this is what we call an alchemy network and what i've come to understand is that you know th they say that the casino whoever, you know, the casino always has a house advantage. When you own the network, you have a house advantage. I'm not talking about joining a BNI group, although that was helpful for me at the beginning. I'm not talking about just joining a lot of typical associations. There's a very particular way that I recommend that people go about this uh, in terms of designing and building an alchemy network. It's not a mastermind. It's not a coaching program. It's not a Facebook group. Um, what it what it really is it is it's um you know it's it's like a a kind of a a secret society without the snobbiness if you will okay and it's it's me curating people it's you curating people um, who meet certain standards and the curation part is really key now, you've been in a group that I've been leading for close to ten years you've seen that I think you've seen that that um, I don't, I mean, I'm pretty sure it's happened with you. It's only happened with others that sometimes you nominate somebody, hey, uh, so-and-so might be a good fit. I don't take everybody, um, even if they look good. I once had somebody nominate somebody who had, uh, he said he was, he was had uh, like a million email subscribers and we, you know, we'll, we'll often cross-promote each other. That's the, a key idea of what the group's about. But he was in the dating and relationship niche. Well, it was really flattering that he was interested in joining our group. Uh, according to the what I what I heard, but I said like, what are we gonna do for for him? What would what would he gain from it? You know, he's in the wrong. Like we're all focused on business, on 
entrepreneurs, small business, consultants, coaches, experts, professional service firms. That's where we're, we're all together. None of us, most of us are not going to be willing to use that emails about dating and relationships. It just doesn't fit. So how could we possibly help him? It doesn't matter that I, you know, he was interested in joining. I just didn't see that he would gain. And I think that part of curation is being smart about who you let in because if people see how they will gain, they will participate voluntarily. And when people participate voluntarily, that creates value for everybody. That makes sense? Completely. Yeah. And I think that's, that, that's one of the, the key things is I've watched you kind of develop all of these ideas. I guess I've been part of the lab, um, being part of that group. And, uh, and, and you've done, um, I think, a really great job of, of curating. And it became apparent to me, oh, probably three or four years in, just exactly how valuable that, that role was uh, to the whole group. Uh, because, you know, e- even at that point when, you know, you weren't, you weren't charging anything to be a part of it, those of us who were participating, were investing our time. And, uh, you know, for a lot of the, the folks who might listen and think, oh, this is a, a strategy that, that maybe I could implement, you're going to invest a lot of time. And all of the people that you invite, if you, even if you don't charge them money, they're going to invest their time. And that's probably the harder thing to get people to do. The money's relatively easy, but you have to, you got to make it so that it's valuable. And, and uh, Dan Sullivan has a saying, um, it's, uh, it's not about who's in the room. It's about who's not in the room. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think that matters a lot in these groups. Yeah, that's true. And, you know, I've had to kick some people out from time to time. Um, And, um, you know, most recently it was, probably about eight months ago, uh, you might remember, but it was, uh, it was a little unpleasant. Um, you did allude, you did allude. This is a group that I ran for free for many years and about a little less than a year ago, we transitioned to paid. And, you know, we, we got it up to 195, 200 members. About half of them were, were active. About half were kind of not really active as far as I could tell. And I really needed to see who wants to be there. You know, who, because it was, it was, um, is I put a lot of time in and so on. So we started an annual annual membership fee and I was really scared of losing uh, losing the group because I, I just, I didn't know, I was, it was just my own block. I was afraid. Um, but I consulted with a few people, some of the uh, the members and, and you know, people saying, well, of course you should have done this a long time ago and you, know, <laughs> and you should charge more than you're planning to charge. But anyway, I, I did. I, I think the fee is, is reasonable and, and on the modest side. Um, but, we ended up with, uh, you know, I think 45 people who can signed up to continue right away. And we've added another 15 or so people without really any effort on my part, just from others in the group making introductions because they see an interest. You know, they're gaining so much from it. They want others who they can, who, who they'd like to spend more time with or have more access to. There's that network effect. You know, every additional new member brings i don't know mathematically what the formulas are but you know brings uh that much more value for everybody who's already in the group and that's that's really you know the that that's one of the important things here is is the the curation and recognizing how um that that sometimes you can have to kick somebody out even if it's uh, not pleasant so uh, oh, i think i went off a little on track a little off track there but but we because we talked about how we switched to to pay so um, I wanted to talk about how some you know, now I'm working with clients uh, or who are looking to set up their own alchemy networks. So some some of them make sense to start for pay. Some of them it makes sense to start for free. You know, and and both could work. And that's one of the things I help people figure out early on and pretty quickly. So, uh, but I want you to think about this. You know, if for some of my clients now they're they're building an alchemy network. And they're getting their goal is that you know if, if you have a member paying you a um, thousand or two thousand dollars a year, and then I mean you could be making let's say somewhere conservatively fifty to two hundred thousand dollars a year from being paid to market to your ideal clients. It's not a crazy idea. It's it's really doable. It doesn't mean it's going to happen in a month, although you know some people can do it in you know faster. Some people will take a longer time. Obviously, it depends. Depends on a variety, variety of different factors, but this is absolutely doable. 
And of course, the questions come up, you know, why would someone join my group? They're already in other things or they're busy. And, and these are the things that we work through. And the answers, there are some principles behind the answers. And, and then there are the individual specific answers for specific clients. That's part of what we can help them figure out. But uh, it, it's, it's important to recognize that, that this can become your unfair advantage. When you have 100, 150 people well-placed, uh, let's say across your industry, working at companies who, where they have the ability to hire you, you know, and, and they're sharing with you and with others in your network and, and asking questions on the email list and on the monthly video call or one-on-one uh, -on -one conversations with you and with others. You just have backdoor access to your buyers, to your decision makers. And it doesn't matter as long as you, you know, it gives you that ability to establish that expertise in a way that you can't from a distance. You, even if, even if they're on your email list, even if they join your webinars, even if they hear you speak, they do not get to see you in action the same way. Make sense? Completely, yeah. And you, you talk about using these things and having them paid and being paid to, to market to all of your ideal clients. And I don't want that to distract people because I think it, that's such an allure. Like, oh, I could just get, you know, all these people to pay me for it, you know, but as, as I think about that concept, if I could get access, it, the access itself would be worth more than if anybody paid me. And so talk a little bit about how you think about right. that. To me, to me, the entry fee is, is kind of small change. I mean, people with podcasts, same thing kind of happens. People go, oh, well, you know, I could get sponsors or I could charge guests to be on. And there are podcasts that do that. And they're, you know, reasons to do it. But in, in this case with the Alchemy Network, in my mind, the fee is more to in to kind of create commitment on the part of the members rather than, hey, I'm going to get rich from that because you're probably selling something that's worth more. That's true. And I think that that um, it boils down to, it's an individual decision. I'm, I, I don't think that, in, and you have to look at it, like you're saying, the bigger picture of your business model. So if a new client is worth, let's say, $50,000 to somebody, or $150,000 for somebody. There's, I, I can really argue both ways. I can argue both ways. I can argue that if a new client is worth $50,000 for you and they're not ready, but you're aware of some kind of need that you can perhaps begin to address in a, in a uh, far more leveraged way by inviting them to your network and, and, and charging $1,000 for the year, there's a really good chance that they'd find it easy to pay that $1,000 per year. Okay. So, Go for it. I think a lot of that will depend on the mindset of the person leading it and their confidence level and their experience level and how, how good they are at these types of things. Now, they could possibly, um, you know, th there are, there are, there are in-between options. Like, it's not necessarily, should it be free or should I charge? Like, you know, um, for founding members, you might offer them uh, a, a, you know, maybe uh, free for the first six months as we, because you're helping me get it started off the ground. And then after that, it'll be whatever, or maybe a, you know, a discount. So, I want to address uh, something else in terms of that when people are are paying, they're committed. We have definitely seen, and you've seen it, and I've been saying this to people because I have some clients who say, well, um, you know, they started it and, and there's not really much activity. No one's doing anything, maybe because I'm not charging them or they're not paying enough. And I said, well, well that's not it. I, I was leading my first network for eight or nine years without charging anything. And we had a lot of activity, right? Yes that high activity came from probably about um, 50 to 60 out of the 200 members. But that's just because I didn't have a way of pruning um, the people who weren't really interested in being there. So if anything, I think a fee is a way of pruning out the people who don't really want to be there anymore. But it doesn't, you know, I, I won't, don't be so quick to say that, that if, there's, if you're not seeing the activity that you want, that it's because uh, they're not paying. Does that make sense? Yeah, and I, I guess I don't. Uh, I, I don't look at it that way. I just looked at. I look at adding the fee as as kind of that kind of built in barrier to people who don't want to be there. It's easy for somebody if there's no fee and um, and it seems like something they might want to do, but they're not really committed to. It's easy for them to mm -hmm. to say, "Sure, I'd love to be a part of that," um, without being committed to being a part of it. 
Um, but when there's a, a fee to walk in the door, obviously you have that. And I'm not advocating that there should or shouldn't be. Right. Um, what I worry about when people begin to see that, oh, I could get all of my marketing to pay, you know, to to pay me. That's great. That's a, you, you absolutely should look for ways that you could do that if you can. Um, but don't let that get in the way. Sometimes I exactly. see people letting that idea get in the way of them actually getting the result that they want, which is the more clients, you know, right. um, because it's usually sort of the, you know, the dollar you're stepping over to pick up that little dime. And, and, and I'll just connect it with what we talked about earlier about mastery, that there's a learning curve here, you know, and this is not a get rich quick anything. So, you know, for some people, it'll be, it'll be easier based on their existing skill set and experience of perhaps doing something similar. Um, and they might, you know, or, or they have their already pretty well known amongst potential clients. So, I mean, for, for one reason or another, people can get it, you know, kind of get into this running or, or more slowly. But like you said, with podcasting, you committed to do this for 10 years. That's, that's, that, that's why I love that. I, mean, I think that's, that's fantastic. And anybody doing this should, should have the same type of attitude. This is not something I'm going to do just for six months to see if it works. It's, you know, these are, we're talking about relationships with people. And what's interesting is, as, as you've seen, um, you were, in, I don't remember from, you know, not pretty close to the beginning, I think. Um, not the beginning, but not, not that far off. I, I think my member number is in the single digits. I'm not certain, That's but possible. I think it's in the single digits. That's possible. I mean, we've grown together. We, we, when we were getting started, we, you know, we now have members who back then I would have thought were unreachable. Like, what do I possibly have to offer that person? But we've grown. We've grown into it. We've grown up, uh, up together. We, and as we've all grown as business people, we've become more attractive to the very people who seem so far ahead. And that also happens. And that's also a, a fantastic uh, insight into how these networks work. But, well, but I wanted, don't one go into this, like you're saying, as, as, as a quick fix. Yeah. Well, and, and I think that's, that, that's actually the perfect perspective to give people because there are people who will listen to this interview who are looking at, at each of us and thinking, wow, they're so far ahead. How am I ever going to catch up? Um, and you know, eight years ago or 10 years ago, whenever it was, um, that, you know, you sent, you sent me that first message and we started having, you know, a conversation and I came into the group, we, we were all effectively, you know, nobodies. We didn't have big lists and we didn't have huge followings and, you know, and, and, and not that we have, you know, the biggest now, but, you know, I, I think that's always the dangers. You see somebody who is, who has put the time in and, and everything and you look at them at the state they're at now, but you don't see what, what came before. And, and I think it's really important for everybody listening to this to understand no matter where you are, if whether it's this strategy or podcast, or you decide you're going to double down on Instagram, all of those would work mm -hmm. if you are willing to go through this process and figure out how to make it work for you. But it right. isn't going to work. It's not likely to work for you in the next 30 days or the next 60 days or the next 90 days, you know, but maybe over the course of the next year, two years, three years, it could work fantastically well. Right. Yeah. That's really true for, you know, every tactic could work, every tactic could fail. And if you, you know, um, sometimes the saddest stories are the people that have an early success in their business and they wake up five years later and they realize they were lucky. And, you know, they just happen to know some people who had a, a need and, and that went on for years. I've talked to these people. And then they spend the next five years really struggling, like really, like they used to think, oh, they're so smart. And, and then five, 10 years out, they, they, their confidence is in the, you know, in the basement. It's just totally shot because their confidence was based on assumptions about their skill level when they're really just lucky. They'd never built out the right skills. They'd never built out the right systems. We all have wake up calls of, you know, or surprises of one kind or another, but, um, we really need to recognize, uh, I guess this is also a little side point, but we really need to be well aware that whenever you're struggling with whatever you're struggling with, whatever's not working, it's don't be quick to blame yourself. It's, it's not you, the person, it's your process. And when we compare ourselves to others, like you said, you know, it's um, uh, the idea of uh, don't compare yourself to where someone is today, but to where you were yesterday. Right. Mm -hmm. um, so it's, it, well, that's what we're doing. When we're comparing ourselves to somebody else, we're essentially saying that, oh, they have advantages that I don't. 
they could do it because they, the person, is this, and I, my person, is different. No, it's not you, the person, it's the process, and that's that's really always important um, to keep in mind. And so, like, you know, even if someone does really well with Instagram or with Facebook ads, whatever, that's fine until it changes. You and I both know somebody who was, was making several million dollars a year with Facebook ads, and then about a year and a half ago, it just stopped working. It stopped, and then he spent nine months, I think, and $600,000 going through three different agencies trying to get it to work again. And it didn't work. Well, that's adding insult to injury. He's had to be very creative and coming up with some you know, real shifts in how he runs his business. What does he sell? To who? How does he charge? And he's still kind of trying to find his way through that because he's good at certain things, but he wasn't, you know, I mean, he wasn't the genius marketer that it looked like on the outside. He had just you know, he found a, an agency that was able to get the Facebook ads working and it worked at a time when Facebook kind of whatever their algorithms were fit with what he was doing. But now the real challenge is when, when all that changes, what do you do? Well, and I, I know we're getting close to the end of our hour, and I, but I, I love that you just brought that up because we're, we're seeing all of this sort of change very rapidly before our eyes. We've, you know, mm-hmm. Um, when I first got into business, um, in 1994, we didn't have the internet. And, you know, I, I remember I was in college my senior year and there was this new thing, the mosaic web browser, um, mm-hmm. on, on all the computers, but it didn't go anywhere. Like you didn't, there was no Google, you know, mm-hmm. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what the thing was or what to do with it. So that's kind of my beginning with the internet. And so I go out and I get to work and it's about a year before we get email and we go and buy this thing called the internet in a box. Mm -hmm. Uh, Literally, it was a box you got from CompUSA. So I've watched from then to now all of this stuff transpire and it's so easy to sit and feel like, well, it's all mature and it's at the end, but it's really not. We've watched all of this stuff get invented as, uh, you know, as Human beings, we've sort of tried to sort out, well, how does it all work now that we're all connected and, and what does it all mean? And you've seen people be able to kind of uh, take advantage of the fact that, that all of these systems are new and we're figuring them out and, and find the places where you can get very quick and easy advantage. And sometimes that, that happened by accident and sometimes it happened intentionally. Um, and I don't fault either of those. But now that we're seeing some of these things mature, so you're seeing like on the ad platforms where 10 or 15 years ago, you could be not very good and still do very well. Now we're, you know, we're seeing those things mature and because costs have gone up, you've got to be good. You've got to have all of your other stuff, you know, working for those to be effective. You're starting to see that sort of filter out who had, the right business model or who had a sustainable business model and who didn't. And I keep coming back to, to this idea. And I think Jeff Bezos said it. He said, everybody always asks me what's going to change in 10 years and, and said something to the effect that that's the wrong question. And the question that you should be asking is what's not going to change. It's going to stay the same. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the thing that's not going to change are relationships. Yep. And I think that's, I think that's the important place to sort of, wrap up our conversation is that if you're going to build your business on a foundation, it's what are the key relationships that I need to create that are really going to fuel my growth forever? And that's probably not 10,000 people. It's probably somewhere south of a hundred and maybe around 50 relationships that that are going to carry you through your career. Who are those people and how can you start building them? And you've got an approach, we've got an approach, there are other approaches but I think that's the first and important decision and, and insight that I think people need to have. Oops, yeah, uh, absolutely. People cannot take your relationships away from you. Um, you know, if, if you meet somebody from high school or college uh, 10, 15, 20 years later, pick up from where you left off. If you used to hang out and have a good time together, you can pick up pretty much where you left off. And as long as, you know, you're, you're treating people right and being respectful, uh, it doesn't mean that you're always able to give them what they want or, or it, you know, not everything is always a fit to do together, but you're, you're, you have much more control. Uh, with the other things, in some ways, that there are opportunities for more leverage. But like you were saying, for many people, 
it's an illusion or it's a temporary thing. Uh, again, it doesn't mean that that this that Facebook ads can't work and people shouldn't do it. That's not at all what we're saying. Um, and I think that's that's pretty clear. What we're saying is that there are a lot of people um, who should be leveraging relationships, turning those into an unfair advantage. Uh, and that's you know that's the idea of of uh, doing that through building what I call an alchemy network. Um, that's that's how you become the under the radar leader in your industry. And I uh, put together a short training at ProfitableRelationships.com forward slash Steve, where people can get that free. It, it, it's really, it's about 15 minutes. It's a four minute video followed by a 10 minute video. And that really just gives you, I mean, it's not complicated. I actually, you know, probably put off going in this direction for a couple of years because I, I was, I had the curse of the expert, you know, the expert's curse where you don't really value what you've done. I think, well, anybody can do this. There's nothing really to it. And but over time, I started to just talk to people about it and, and the questions they would ask and the things that I saw they got stuck on, I wouldn't have even realized it or thought about it. So it's not like I'm such a genius, but I guess these are things that I figured out over the years. And, you know, I, I am, I've been able to shortcut their process, help them see, you know, a vision for what's possible that they just couldn't see on their own because they just never thought about it, never saw anything like this, never, never been a part of it. So that's uh, that's that training kind of lays out the steps, you know, the overall process, and it's free. ProfitableRelationships.com forward slash Steve in your honor. Thank you, and thanks for sharing that. I've watched those videos; they're brief, but I think very, very insightful. They're worth going and, and watching. So go do that. And uh, Dove, I, we went longer than we planned, but I'm I'm really uh, grateful to uh, have the opportunity to have the conversation with you. I always learn a lot. I've got notes here that I've taken. I'll probably go listen to this again and and take some more. So uh, thank you for sharing your wisdom with us today and investing some time with me. Thanks for having me again, Steve. One day we have to meet in person. Yes, we will. (laughs) Maybe after uh, after the pandemic is over, we'll, we'll all be able to travel again. Yeah, right. Have a good day. This episode of the Unstoppable CEO Podcast is sponsored by the Unstoppable Agency. That is the agency part of our business where we work with professional service firms and create a done-for-you marketing program. And what that looks like is we actually sit down with you. We come together and define your ideal client with you. We go build a list of those people, and then we begin reaching out to them on your behalf to book them as guests on your podcast. We call it podcast prospecting. And it's a fantastic way to connect with potential clients and influencers that can refer you. And it's end-to-end a done-for-you system. And so if that's something that you think might be the right fit for your business, go to our website, go to unstoppableceo.net. You can uh, find there on the homepage a link to a video presentation that explains how it all works. And if you'd like, let's get together and have a quick 20-minute conversation and see if we're a fit. Again, that's at unstoppableceo.net. Right on the homepage, look for a link to the video that explains how it all works.